Well, greetings, dear listeners, and welcome to the next episode of Redemption Meditations. I'm Steve, and I'm here once again with Lee. How you doing, Lee? Oh, I'm doing fantastic this evening. Steve, how about yourself? I'm doing great. And also, uh, Dana. Dana, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I thought we were going to rename the show Unhinged Meditations. <laughs> oh, that's that a different? whole other thing. <laughs> That'll be our Patreon exclusive show. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Patreon. Yeah. Please going to do this full time. We're going to build this society out. groups that we're not supposed to talk about, Dana. What are you doing? <laughs> Welcome the to the gun show. Now we have to rename it. So. <laughs> anyway. Uh, so we thought it would be uh, an interesting topic of conversation as we think about the world and as, as the world uh, more enthusiastically embraces wickedness and that becomes more just more normalized and more mainstream inevitably some people are going to lean into that before they maybe ever hear the gospel and when they do get a chance to hear the gospel oh no what have i done right and, and as they evaluate themselves and their own lives so we thought it would be a good opportunity to answer this question uh why are you wrong if you believe that at this point you're just you've just been too bad to get into heaven i think just the first part of that question is the question why are you why wrong? are you wrong yeah <laughs> why are you wrong if you believe that you're too bad to get into heaven so let, let's phrase it a different way uh somebody comes to our church and uh they've led a pretty wicked life and they've heard their god the, the gospel it's pierced their heart and now they say to one of us but you have no idea all the things that i've done yeah and you can tell they're, they're truly bothered by that they see all these you know good people you know ah, that are so much better than them it's a good joke haven't, i'm sure haven't done any of the stuff i've done and i know all the things i've done and it's been pretty bad stuff and they're not quite sure that this gospel thing's going to do the trick for them so presented with that with with someone in that dilemma what ought we say to someone like that so I think of um, I think of Paul's uh, answers. He talks about some of this in his own life in Romans in Romans, but in Romans seven, um, the good that I don't want to do, I continue to do, or the good that I want to do, I I not I don't do the bad, the evil, the sin that I that I continue to do, I don't want to do that. Um, and then his final answer is essentially what that complaint is, right? What that what that statement is: wretched man that I am, who will save me from this body of death? And we think to ourselves well but that's the apostle paul but the apostle paul was also known as saul who actually killed people like he he mm -hmm. went and persecuted christians in fact it took christ intervening physically to stop paul from his and he thought he was being it wasn't that he thought he was being um a sinner even he thought he was doing right but he was going off and dragging men and women uh, basically at, off to jail like, like with the intention of destroying the church. That was, that was Saul. That was who that guy was. And Jesus had to intervene, 
knock him down, like stop him, blind him to get his attention and say, um, why are you persecuting me? Um, he was, he calls himself the, the chief of sinners. Um, uh, he says, Christ came to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. And, and I think he's not really, uh, to, to kind of latch on to what he says there, he's, in his mind, he's not exaggerating when he says that. He's not just saying, yeah, 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 I was really bad too. He actually was a really bad guy uh, as far as the church is concerned, as far as Jesus is concerned. And, and he did nothing. Uh, he brought nothing to his own salvation either. He was, he was literally, you know, Acts chapter 9 tells us, and then he shares his testimony two other times in Acts. Um, he was on his way to Damascus in order to capture the church when <laughs> out of the blue. He used his free will to believe Jesus. in God. What, what's that? He used his free will to believe in God. <laughs> when Jesus imposed on him <laughs> salvation, right? Um, hey, he, was, he was as bad as it, as it got and by his own testimony. And yet um, the answer to his question, wretched man that I am, who will save me from this uh, body of death? Um, the, the answer is, but thanks be to God, who through Jesus Christ, our Lord, has granted this salvation. And so the, uh, maybe the answer to the question is, um, well, let me put it this way. Pastors will frequently, and, and, and it's not just pastors, right? Christians will frequently say, I'm the chief of sinners. If if you only knew my heart, what goes on in my mind, um, you know, you you would know. Uh, and 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 even in in First Corinthians chapter six, I think of that phrase. And such were some of you. That that phrase is it follows that whole list of sins, and 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 they're horrendous um, sexual sin. A horrendous sexual sin right there's all this terrible things and such were some of you but you were washed you were made clean by the blood of christ so christ not only did he intervene and save saul who is also known as paul not only did he inter intervene and save the one who called himself the chief of sinners but he saved the, these people that we don't even know their names the, the these people from corinth that were um horrendous sinners, notorious sinners. Uh, the, so let me leave it at that and say, Lee, uh, like, what would your, be your thoughts on that? I got um, more, but go ahead, Lee. A couple <laughs> thoughts. Uh, like John Piper, I too am bad. Uh, if anybody has listened to that uh, New Calvinist uh, remix song uh, where uh, uh, where uh, John Piper says, "I'm bad." Every every Christian, every hero of the faith that we would look to, dead guys, um, living guys, they would all say, "I'm bad," right? Because nobody is actually able to go to heaven on their own, and I, that's the starting point. You are bad enough to not get into heaven naturally. The difference is, as a Christian, it's not you anymore. Christ lives in you, and he being the propitiation for our sins, he's carried them away. Uh, so he's expiated our sins as well. He not only paid the penalty for them, he removed them. Um, and a thing that God does is a thing that no one can undo. 
So <clears throat> there's a level of assurance there. And yet it does come with a, a bit of a warning because when we are saved, when our sins are are paid for and removed from us, um, we are on we are set on a path of sanctification by God. And so in that time, we do uh, care deeply about our sins. Uh, we want to live a life of repentance because um, we will still sin, uh, but we are being saved. Um, we're being sanctified. It's all part of salvation. The we, We've used the junk drawer term uh, before for, for that word because it encompasses our entire life. So not only initial justification, the ongoing sanctification, and leading up to glorification after this life is over, that is all salvation. So, you know, in the process of continuing to be sanctified, um, being more conformed to the image of Christ, which is one of my favorite uh, phrases from Scripture about that process, um, you do become more concerned about your own sin. And so for somebody who is asking that question, I would say I'm glad that you're thinking about this because the fact that you even care to find an answer to that question means that you're already starting from a better place than somebody who is unredeemed and just wants their ticket punched. Um, a Christian wants to honor God, wants to hate their sin, wants to be at war against their sin, and fearing uh, might be uh, fearing for the uh, regarding the last day might be um, might be natural. It's something I would not encourage someone to live in fear of. Uh, that's not really the fear of the Lord that we talk about when we read in Scripture uh, the fear of the Lord, uh, not to be afraid of God and His judgment. Uh, because the judgment has already been placed on Christ if you have repented of your sins and believed in him. Um, so that should not be a fear. That should actually, we should have uh, ultimate trust in our savior, redeemer, and advocate um, who who speaks, his blood speaks for us better than any sacrifice. So coming from a place of assurance on this, yes, uh, you are not on your own good enough to go to heaven. Christ has paid that way for you. And now by his mercy, has called us to a holy war against our own sin. Uh, and so we should be battling that. And if we are noticing a, a pattern of sin cropping up, um, to to take action, to, to pray, um, to kill that sin uh, to God's glory. Yeah. To I, go on. Sorry, go ahead. Well, I, I, I heartily agree with what you both said. I think... Uh, it, it's uh, I, I like Dana that you pointed out that, that those couple verses and I think it's first Corinthians six, right, where he gives this list of these terrible things. And some of them are pretty they're all pretty despicable, but some of them are, you know, there's sexual sin in there. There's all sorts of things. And there were people in the Corinthian church when he was writing to them who had likely gone all the way. On, on a whole bunch of those sins yeah. who are today in heaven. Right. Right. They, they you know, so I, I think we need to recognize that today they, they, they are in glory and worshiping their savior. And I think it is worthwhile to remind people who are watching this, who maybe are, are struggling with this dilemma that it's easy to walk into a church any church, and we would include our church in this and think, wow, these are all the good people. And I think it's, <laughs> I think you guys would agree with me in saying like, well, maybe you don't know these people that well yet. <laughs> right? 
But if you'd might be surprised at who's sitting here and and the stories that they have to tell and where God has rescued them from. And, you know, we tend to just assume I am the despicable scumbag in the room and everybody else has made some mistakes, but really they've just been, you know, nothing much. But I think if you were to walk up probably not true. Yeah, right. Um, I would even say for somebody to just walk up to any member of our church, I think they would get a very similar answer if you were to ask them, you know, why are you, how are you such a good person? Why are you such a good person kind of thing? They'd say basically something like, no, I'm not a good person. Uh, Christ is in me. Christ has saved me. I'm, if I am good, it's only because of Christ. And I think every, every member of our church would, would easily give an answer, something to that effect. And I think I think that like to go off of uh, something Lee said a little bit ago that the idea of um, uh, the person who who already is thinking this way, um, so it's guilt, uh, probably right guilt over their own sin, um, their conscience is guilty. You know, I think um, so. Two things. First is uh, they want often a person like that wants nothing more. Than what Paul describes there in First Corinthians, it's First Corinthians six eleven that we're referring to, and such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Like there, there, there's someone who is, who is saying, but you don't understand how bad I've been. It, it, often the the guilt is just so heavy that if you're able, like, to say to take them to that verse and say, this is what the gospel does for you, right? It, it, to, to use the, the, the list of three things here, to put it backwards, justifies you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, um, sanctifies you, sets you apart for him, makes you holy, and washes you clean, like new creation, right? That, that's what somebody like that is... Um, uh, desiring is that for that to be real and, and so uh, t- this is where lee was going i think uh, earlier a few minutes ago was that person is almost a couple of steps ahead of the person who says i'm i'm mm-hmm. i'm good I don't, I don't what do i need to repent of right because because they already understand um that they are a sinner in need of salvation they're a sinner in need of grace and forgiveness the person who doesn't uh, understand that there are sinners. We all are sinners in need of, right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we're all sinners in need of God's grace and mercy. Um, but the person who's like either doesn't care, uh, the person who doesn't care, often that that's they have a seared conscience, right? Mm-hmm. At one point they cared. Now they don't care. They've gone so far down this rabbit hole of sin that they just don't even care anymore. Um, and, and that's, that's like the definition of a seared conscience. That's the definition of, of a person who's so, who's so uh, far down that trail of guilt that they don't even feel the guilt anymore. The guilt is still there. They are guilty, but they don't feel it anymore. But the person who feels that guilt, that, that's the person that Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, right? That's the person who knows that they have that burden. Mm-hmm. And, and Jesus is just like ready to take it, you know, like um, he is, he is, uh, it, it, this is how it, it works, right? With Paul on the road to Damascus, 
that that Jesus is ready to knock that person into the dirt and take those burdens away. And um, how that all works, like that's, I mean, we talk about the order of salvation, like <laughs> how that all works is God's prerogative. But, but that person is like, um, you know, we want to plead with them to repent and believe because forgiveness is, is, is real, right? They can really have those burdens removed. Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded of, of Peter in the boat when they when they bring up the big haul and the nets and and what does he say to jesus he says, get away from me like I, you don't know yeah. who i am right. somebody like you shouldn't be near somebody like me right and so on the one sense he has an appropriate appreciation for his sin but he's getting it wrong also and in particular after the cross and the resurrection right after peter has not only have the incident in the boat, but betrayed him. <laughs> I don't know that guy. Right. No, I don't. You know, with curses, he's betrayed. I, I don't. I don't know who that is. I don't want anything to do with him. And yet, the veil's been torn, so we can approach the altar. We can approach the throne, like a, a child approaches his father, not like the condemned approach approach the gallows. <laughs> Right. That that story of, of, you know, Jesus or Peter denying uh, that he even knows Christ three times, betraying it. Like I've heard somebody, I don't remember who it was, might have been John MacArthur, somebody preach on the difference between um, Jesus, uh, between Peter and Judas. They both betrayed Christ. Peter's betrayal here three times. And it was a, I do not know you. Right. Jesus promised uh, that he whoever whoever acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before the father. And here Peter is not acknowledging before. I don't know (laughs) it. A servant girl. What's she going to do? Right. A servant girl comes up and you were with them. And he's like, he curses and says, I don't know him. And uh, Judas, Judas's betrayal is kind of strange. So there's the money involved. He's been stealing from the. Um, from the offering plate we find out later but um, his betrayal is kind of a little weird because it was almost just like yeah I'm just going to tell you where he is because they all knew who Jesus was they've been looking mm-hmm. for ways to, to kill him and Judas is like I'll I'll um, I'll testify against him and then he backs off <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know and he tries to give the money back but the difference is he does not um, find repentance right mm-hmm. his guilt Drop my camera's going crazy, probably because I'm moving my arms around. His guilt is um, uh, drives him to suicide, whereas Peter's guilt drives him to Christ. Mm-hmm. Peter runs to the empty tomb, he 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 beats feet to the empty tomb. Um, Peter, Peter goes to Christ, um, he follows, he's at a distance, but he's following. Um, Peter, Peter's, Peter's still kind of clinging to Christ, even though he's guilty. And, and Jesus, Jesus told both of them that they were going to betray him in advance. Um, You know, he says at at the, he tells all of the disciples at the, at the last supper that the one who dips, you know, in the, uh, the bread with me will be the one that betrays me. And every, they don't, they don't even suspect Judas. They actually, is it me? Is it me? (laughs) 
and and then uh and then he says you know you're going to betray me three times before the rooster crows you'll betray me three times i will never do that no not me they will but i won't and then he's the one who does but but the whole story is is of repentance and grace and restoration right that that end of of john's gospel where jesus restores him three times um that's that's the the joy of the gospel is that when there's repentance um uh there's there's restoration christ is so eager i mean if, if somebody thinks they're a worse sinner than peter who <laughs> yeah i mean i, I don't want to like try and categorize sin as worse or not not worse but it, if somebody thinks they're a worse sinner than peter who who in the sight of jesus denied him i don't know that denied him three times after jesus said you're going to do this no i'm not um i, I mean na name name a worse sin i mean you know don't really yeah, because they're right. you know but you know <laughs> what i mean right like jesus quickly forgave peter go tell my he says to um was it mary in the in the garden after his resurrection he says go tell my disciples and peter mm -hmm. that, that's such a yeah. like peter is one of the disciples he's in fact the leader of the disciples go tell my disciples and peter make sure peter knows that i have been from the dead the tomb is the, that's forgiveness that's that's what the grace is all about. Yeah, that's great. I I think, I think we we want to tell those people that run home, and and your father's not going to be disgusted by you, right? He's going to right. throw his arms around you, right? Uh, yeah. So all right, let's move on then. Um, one of the things you, we probably all heard uh, somebody say at one point or another is, you know, you ascend the Tom and Jerry escalator to heaven and, uh, either St. Peter is there or, or God's there or whoever's guarding the pearly gates, none of which is biblical. We could tear that <laughs> apart, but let's move on to a more important question. Uh, but if it worked this way and God said, why should I let you into my heaven? Let's talk a little bit about some some good biblical answers for why God should let a particular person or anybody into his heaven. And then maybe some pretty bad answers that might be uh, easy to fall into if we're not careful. And some, some folks from other, other faiths use those answers. And, and I'll let you guys delve into that a little bit, but uh, give us some answers to that question. What do you think? Uh, I'll give you a bad answer um, from within like church culture, maybe uh, to say um, just to go up and say, I did everything right. I went to church every Sunday. I, I gave my tithe. I, uh, I went to, I went to prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Uh, I passed tracks out. Lord, I did all these things in your name <laughs> and yet never believed. Uh, they were just going through the motions. They were, this is what people do. They go to church. Um, uh, this is what good, good Christian, what good Americans do. We're good Americans. Thus we're good Christians. Um, and to just kind of just go through the motions and live in a, to, to call back to our antinomianism episode, to live 
a legalistic antinomian <laughs> lifestyle where uh, I don't submit to Christ. Um, I Yeah, I said a little prayer when I was five, um, but I've done whatever I wanted ever since then. Got my ticket punched kind of thing. I lived how I wanted. Um, I did. I was a good person. I didn't hurt anybody. I said the little prayer in Sunday school um, and in I'm ready to party. Uh, that's a bad answer. Yes, it is. <laughs> so what's a good answer, Dana? Well, so the answer is you, you, uh, you shouldn't let me in, right? Like all of sin and falling short of the glory of God, I shouldn't even, I shouldn't even be here. I shouldn't get it. You know, it kind of goes back to that, that first question. Um, but the answer is, so, so uh, John in first John, he says, and then you can find something like this in a few different passages, but first John 4, 10, and this is love, not that we have loved God, which is kind of what, um, what's your name? Lee over there was, was saying, right. <laughs> that, well, you should let me in because of all these things that I've done for you. Right. So in this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. And that's the key word propitiation. That's the urban word of the day, the theological urban word of the day. Um, <laughs> the, that, that, that big, so, so it, so the expiation, right. That, that um, think of the, the day of atonement when the, the priest would grab, grab the, the goat uh, by the horns and confess the sin onto that goat and then and then send them out to to the goat demons out to Azazel in the wilderness. Um, that's the scapegoat. That goat. The the images of the of the goat taking our sin away. That's kind of expiation. Um, the goat takes our sin away. But the the he made um, the verse says sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. He took our sin on himself on the cross. The wages of sin is death, and Christ died for our sin. The point is, with both of those images, our sin is not on us anymore. And if, if it is true that Christ has paid the penalty for my sin, the, the first step of this is that I'm guiltless. Because Christ took that guilt on himself and, and took it all away from me and paid uh, uh, once and for all, Hebrews talks about in, the, in that sacrifice. He paid for that sin. But then the other part of it is that great exchange is that um, his righteousness was then granted to, to us, to me, right? So that the robes, the new robes that I've been given, those white robes, are Christ's righteousness, so when we get, if the image works like this, it doesn't. But if the image works like this, that, you know, we die in our, and, we, and we float up to heaven in the clouds, whatever, and, um, and, and St. Peter, or I, I always thought it was Thomas Aquinas, whoever meets us at the pearly gate, it's not Thomas Aquinas, <laughs> hey, Thomas. Um, whoever meets us there, that they would, they would actually look like Jesus coming in, right? Like, yeah. Oh, open the gates. It's another one. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it, it, it's, um, look at the righteous robes that he's wearing or she is wearing, right? It, mm -hmm. it, it, they're seeing, um, Christ's righteousness, not mine. It's Christ's righteousness. So, so if you are a Christian for all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Lee talked about that being a, a junk drawer term. Part of that is the propitiation and expiation. Our sins have been taken away and 
his righteousness has been imputed onto us. So that that saved means that we have his imputed righteousness. And so when we get there's I, there's not going to be any um, convincing the gatekeeper that we should be allowed in. The, the righteous robes are enough. Not that the we're not going to that's not going to happen that way. There's not a secret knock yeah. and a password <laughs> and all of the things slides open. <laughs> I was hoping to have a secret handshake with Thomas Aquinas, though. Uh, that would be pretty cool. I gotta say, give me some of that. That's how he <laughs> SQMMA. Give me some of that. <laughs> uh, th this is, I mean, slightly, you know, it's a sermon illustration, but there's that viral clip of, uh, um, uh, what's his name up in, uh, up in Cleveland. Uh, I always want to say Sinclair. Bag? Alistair Begg, there we go. The other one, one the Scottish other guy's the same as another. Yeah, yeah, they all sound the same. <laughs> Funny accent. We know who you're talking about. <laughs> he was speaking, I think, at a conference or something, and in the clip was uh, regarding the oh, thief on the yeah. cross. And so, yeah. like, he takes this very scenario. Mm -hmm. Like, he arrives, and they're like, "Oh, why should we let you in?" He's like, uh, "The man on the middle cross said I could come." And that's honestly a good answer. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. That's pretty it's, good. Yeah. It's touching, but that's yeah. that's actually a pretty good answer. Like he had ju he just met Jesus for a few hours of agony, right on a cross. They're not talking very much. Let's right. just say that um, they talk a little bit, and we have their conversation in Scripture. It's obvious he believes in Christ. Um, says, "Remember me when you come into your kingdom," um, and Jesus says, "You know, today you'll be with me in paradise." Uh, and so eventually when he does, you know, reach, uh, reach the throne room of grace, you know, what else can you say? Jesus said I could be here. That was the promise. Yeah. yeah that's a, that's a really good example because, you know, he's, a, he's a thief on the cross, but you know, he's probably some sort of highway pirate, right? Mm -hmm. People right. out in the middle of nowhere where there, there isn't, there's no cell phone service and there's no nine one one, even if there was, yeah. And these people are vulnerable. So there's probably not anything on the sin menu. And I mean, probably not anything. He ordered he one of everything. engaged in multiple times. Yeah. He's horrible. But the man on the uh, on the middle cross said I could come. And that's that's it. It's pretty good. You know? So, yeah, the the, uh, the the verse I was thinking of was Second Corinthians 521. Boom. There's this exchange, right? Yeah. Uh, you shouldn't let me in, but I am clothed in the righteousness of Christ. And my sin was transferred to his account. So so any answer that starts with I to that question mm -hmm. is probably a bad answer. Yeah. And if we start the answer, if we start the sentence with Jesus, we're off to a, a heck of a good start. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you didn't you didn't earn the new clothes like it was all an act of grace that you're even clothed in Christ's righteousness at all. No, and, no and meriting the truth is we don't have to build our own case because we already have an advocate. <laughs> yeah. Capital A advocate who's the, the case yeah. has already been settled on our behalf. Yeah, It probably right? plays out whoever's whoever's sitting there <laughs> in this scenario. And then, you know, a, a redeemed soul comes up and Jesus pops in and taps him on the shoulder and says, it's OK. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's with me. He's one of mine. He's in the yeah, family. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. 
Exactly. Exactly. Okay. One last question here, um, kind of related to this, but I, it's one that might, you know, bother some people. So I thought it would be good to address this. And that would be, we have somebody who's a Christian um, and like all Christians uh, wrestling with it, with his or her own sin and hopefully putting it to death. And, 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 and as we all do, there are good days and bad days. And then, then new sins pop up. We didn't even know that were sins. And now we got to deal with this. But what do we do with somebody who is concerned with, yeah, but what if I sin and then die? Uh -oh. Right? I do that one, <laughs> one last sin, whatever it is. Or I have a particularly bad day. You know, we, we have, there's ebbs and flows and sanctification. And as we are putting sin to death and sometimes we have great victories and some days we have days that aren't great and that are embarrassing and awful well what if it's a bad day and then i get hit by the bus right well now what what would what would you guys say to a person who has that concern it's a well, it's a good I've... day for jesus so <laughs> you you make it <laughs> Yeah, I, I've been with a couple of people on their deathbed um, that some elderly folks that um, were afraid um, of the process of dying. And, um, uh, you know, they trusted in Christ, but they, they had a significant amount of fear. And uh, it could be it could be argued that that was a, a lack of faith. Um, so it, so a. Uh, um, I, I'm going to say that a lot of that is natural. So I'm not saying that to be afraid is a lack of faith, but there could be a lack of faith in that. And um, that lack of faith, our, our sin doesn't, it kind of goes back to the same argument we had before. Our sin is not stronger than Christ's grace, right? Our, our lack of faith, um, you know, there was the guy that said to Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. Oh, I was going to say um, that. Like <laughs> uh, there's a our lack of faith or our our wavering faith at times, um, even something like that, right? So some of the the examples might be you know you might you might do something horrendously sinful like immoral or something and then get killed doing it. Um, uh, like no matter what it is, if if Christ's grace is is Christ's grace sufficient? Well, Paul says that it is. The Bible says that it is, right? That he will never leave you nor forsake you. That he, uh, we believe that in the perseverance of the saints, that if somebody has trusted in Christ, that he who began that good work will be faithful to complete it. But it's him faithfully completing it, not me, right? So I can, um, I could do so, I could die in a bank robbery that I was committing, <laughs> you know, and, um, <laughs> But right, and, yeah, but yeah. still be a believer. Now, some of those scenarios we might say, "Man, were they really a Christian?" You know, but when you stand before the Lord, is His grace sufficient? Um, I don't think there's yes. there's no there. Yes, yes is the answer. <laughs> Just want to no be clear. <laughs> yes, that can separate us. Romans, right? What can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord? N nothing. He actually, mm -hmm. nothing in heaven, on earth, under the, like nothing. Nothing is more powerful than to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. 
And if that's true, then I can't do anything to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I, we, I just think see. we want to make sure people who are watching this understand that, like, there's no number of abortions that are going to just like the blood of Jesus just can't swing it for you. Right. Right. There's no amount of drugs that you've done. There's no amount of whatever, you know, we could go down the list forever. We could do, we could make this thing another hour listing stuff that we were not going to do that. But if you're watching this and you're thinking, Oh, but what about the, 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 the blood of Jesus is more powerful than whatever sins you've just gone back to again and again and again. Yeah. 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 Yep. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Uh, on the subject of the death thing as well, I want to go back to that just briefly. Um, yeah. So uh, I, I've seen the times where somebody's very afraid of dying, afraid of where they might go, even as a Christian. But then you also get the stories of these old saints that have been walking with Christ for decades upon decades and are just like, I'm ready to go home. Um, and they might be apprehensive about the physical sensation of of dying because it's something they've never done before, and we're usually pretty anxious about new experiences. Um, but the fear is mer- merely a physical one uh, without yeah. a fear of of the ultimate destination um, because they have they've been they've been living on that faith in Christ uh, for for so long. And it reminds me of the, you know, Christians from the earliest times. Um, would use the phrase memento mori, you know, remember you mm. will die. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something teach that we've lost. Teach us to number lost. our days. Yeah, right. Um, teach us to number our days is a, is a good, is a, you know, very same thing. You know, we all know that, that we're all going to die of something someday. Um, yeah, Christ may return and we might not, but for the vast majority of Christians in history, uh, you know, we, we, we face a gravestone someday. So remembering that, remembering that, that, uh, you know, the grass withers, the flower fades, we're included in that as well, but the word of our Lord stands forever. And so we should put our faith and trust in, in the Lord, uh, hold fast to his word and learn it and, um, and pray well. And remember, you know, we will see Christ face to face. We will see our, our God face to face and uh, the, one in one people die, and so uh, prepare, uh, 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 prepare your uh, your heart, prepare your affairs uh, in light of that. I think it's a good point, Lee. You know, even that example might not that I gave might not have been the greatest example, but um, uh, you know, we see someone with Alzheimer's, for example, um, or, or or dementia will. Uh, a belief, a faithful Christian that we know is that, like this happened to my own two of my grandmothers. We uh, one in particular, we know that she was a faithful Christian her whole life. I mean, her whole adult life, right? Mm-hmm. And um, in the end, the last couple of years, um, if she was saying and doing the things that she was saying and doing in her right mind, would have been horrendously sinful. Yeah, yeah. and I don't understand that right like mm-hmm. i i i don't understand that i none of us do and that's the, the point right yeah. we don't understand why the body does what it does and even the brain does what it does in those labs and and causes all kind but but that person it wasn't like um it wasn't like they you know she she's it, it, this happens all the time faithful mm-hmm. christians who all this like 
anger and stuff sometimes comes out and and it's it's not that person it's, it's a that's not who she was that's not yeah. who they are and 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 so I'm, I'm 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 only kind of like this is a specific example of god's grace is still sufficient even even though this this stuff is coming out that just is so like can be hurtful and, and can be just sinful right um it it's not it's not like God said they, you know, they get to the end of their life and they go into this dementia and, and, Oh, I don't want that person in here. You know, like <laughs> yeah. God's grace is sufficient. And, um, and, and that's what we hold on to. We hold on to the truth of who God is and what he has done because it's he who saves yeah. because the, the, that table, even in that kind of, very specific example could be turned around where their whole life they're vile and awful like that guy on the cross mm -hmm. their whole vile and awful but at the last minute christ saves and gives them a new heart gives them a new brain and, and they're they're a new creation yeah. and um yeah so god's grace is sufficient it, ha it has to be yeah a disease of the brain does not disqualify a person from the redemption that they've enjoyed the the whole rest right. of their lives Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, or, and any more than, the, the, you know, a few minutes of doubt at the end or, mm -hmm. you, you know, yeah. a, a stupid and sinful mistake, a, you know, a desperate whatever, like none of that, nothing. Who is to condemn? Yeah. He says. I think it's important too. That there are there are theological streams that would almost teach that uh, repentance is what saves you and that. <laughs> By, by repenting, you're clearing your record every time. And so if you were to die with unrepented sins on your record, then you're in trouble. Uh, we are not in that camp whatsoever. Right. Uh, when right. a Christian believes and, uh, and their sins have been washed away, uh, the imputation of Christ's righteousness is given to them. He has taken their sinfulness away. Um, that's for all of your sins, like the, the full yeah. forgiveness of all your sins past present and future are on christ at that at that moment they don't get put back on uh if you if you don't say your prayers right or uh um now we want to live a life of repentance but repentance does not save you repentance does not sanctify you um it's the work of christ um and by his grace he he gives us the the gift of repentance ongoing repentance through our life um but but having to basically do a protestant version of last rites to make sure that you repent of all the sins you can think of before you breathe your last breath yeah right. that ain't it right because you're gonna forget one oh right? yeah like so like you don't not even uh, know about them yeah martin yeah, luther so you don't have enough time in the confessional booth to, right. to tackle it all yeah yeah i think it's important to to recognize that you know jesus said my sheep hear my voice they know me no one will snatch them out of my hand. That means we can't somehow wrangle ourselves out of his hand either, right? <laughs> this is not a, oh no, what if I mess this up? Well, you would. You would mess this up. Like right. if you had the ability to blow it, you would. And so would I, we would all, uh, yeah. we would all say that. That's not how any of this works. Nobody can snatch, yeah. nobody can snatch me out of the father's hand but maybe me, <laughs> you know, yeah. like yeah. it'll work and for me. We, we believe, we start to believe that. Yeah. And yeah. that's not yeah. what the book says. No, yeah. no. Yeah. Your experience doesn't change what the book says. Yeah. Yeah. Don't stay in the pigsty because of 
all the stuff that you've done. Just hop the fence, get out of there and run home. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, you did awful. You, you did something awful. You did lots of awful things. That doesn't mean, well, dad won't even look at me. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not what that means. It's right? not, that's not what that means. It's not it. Yeah. All right. Any final thoughts on that? This is Repent like a record believe. for us. Dana's back in town and now we're not going an hour and 45 <laughs> minutes anymore. This is what is going on. It's because we're all hungry uh, and approaching hangry, probably. I probably, <laughs> yes. It's almost dinner time. Okay. So I think it is time to uh ascend the library ladder if uh you fellas are prepared to do that. So ready. I hope that anybody watching this on video, um just notices the the orderliness of our bookcases, um, <laughs> our bookshelves behind us, and just know that, that that's how our minds work as well. Those Feel free in minds. the comments section to rate whose bookshelf is the most organized. The most aesthetic. Like one, two, three. Yes. Yeah. Most yeah. aesthetically pleasing. Has, has uh, Spurgeon and, and Calvin looking yeah. down on we we crave your feedback on that. Just uh... <laughs> hey, but I do have a picture of local history hanging next to my bookshelves. Does that count? <laughs> local history. That's, that's one of the boys who uh, who built the castles uh, when he was a baby. Oh, he the built the castles, castles when he was a baby. Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. Yeah. So <laughs> I've got some I got some local history to 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 combat the uh, the chaos of my shelves. We'll yeah. let the people decide, Lee. <laughs> Don't vote me off the island, please. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lee, if you can even find it behind you, do you have a book that you would like to share I, for the library ladder? Indeed. All right, so give it to us. I've, I've, had, um, I've had prayer on the mind a lot lately. I just wrapped a Sunday school about prayers in the Bible. Um, I selected kind of similar to that theme um and then also piggybacking on the uh uh devotionals maybe that i had mentioned a few episodes ago a uh, small book from uh banner of truth called prayers on the psalms it's very small uh what it does is it gives a little summary in prayer format uh of all 150 psalms obviously some are a little longer than others as some Psalms are longer than others. Uh, but this is a nice addition um, to your prayer practice. Uh, if you want to begin praying scripture, I know Steve, you mentioned uh, a few episodes ago, praying the Bible by Don Whitney. Um, he does the Psalms of the day using the current date that you're on and then adding 30 to that number to do, to pray through five Psalms a day. If you want, this is a nice way to either add to that or work yourself up to that. Uh, these are very short little prayers to add to your uh, your prayer regimen. Really, um, really recommend this book. I hope it's not sold out, but I will include a link. Great little resource. Dana. So I got out two books because I wasn't sure which I was going to recommend this week, but I'm going to go with uh, Michael Heiser's book, I Dare You to Not Bore Me with the Bible. This is a really, <laughs> a really simple and basic book. Um, it, it really is an easy read, uh, but he goes through some strange passages of scripture that we sometimes just say, that's weird, and then keep reading and uh, kind of digs deep into them. Uh, Michael Heiser, um, he died maybe earlier this year, 
Um, but he was a, a he worked for Logos Bible Software and he was a professor. Um, I don't agree. I will just say this: I don't agree with all of his hermeneutic, um, in, especially some of his other work. This one's pretty basic. Um, he's got he kind of spends a lot of time in Psalm 82 and puts a real high priority on that psalm and interpreting the rest of the Bible. But um, but he, he really is thought provoking, and this is a really good if you if you even in some of this discussion of people, um, uh, you know, struggling with sin and guilt and all of that, this is a good book to say, you know what, there, the Bible is, is not just um, grandma's, you know, like easy reading, be good, do good type of book. It really is some strange stuff in there and uh, some things that are not boring. So this is a great, a great little book to help us uh, not be bored with the Bible. Great nice. book cover and a, and a great use of the font Helvetica. <laughs> pretty sure yeah that's definitely helvetica yeah i'll yeah, bore you I with fonts <laughs> you got me there okay I, i'm already tired moving on all right all right uh so i too like lee have uh have prayer on the brain for some reason nice. it's like we go to the same sunday schools uh, <laughs> classes um so i went with uh let us pray a symposium on prayer it's multiple authors. It's a different author for each chapter. A uh, bunch of names that people would probably recognize, Piper and Sproul and MacArthur and a bunch of other guys you, you probably will recognize if you, you know, swim in those waters. But very good, a very uh, good uh, instruction on the, the a, it has a high view of prayer and how we, the, how we approach that and it's uh, it's convicting, but it's really good. It's not a real long book. I think it's like 150 pages, easy read. Um, but uh, that's my recommendation for the library ladder this week. Nice. All right. Yeah. All right, Lee, I think it's time for you to do your thing. <laughs> bless us. Always a pleasure. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.